Well, good morning, Great Oaks. How are we all doing this morning? Morning. All right. Uh, So who's excited that Metamora won the state championship last night? Okay, all right, all right. Anyone at the game last night that's in the room this morning? Anybody go? All right. Uh, Do you have a voice left? Anybody? No, it's all gone? Okay. Um, hey, uh, just keep a secret. So my, my daughter right now is serving over in Kidstown. Uh, she's a cheerleader at Washington High School. So please do not tell her that I was rooting for Metamora last night. I would get in a lot of trouble for that. Uh, but we were very excited that Metamora won last night. So that's awesome. Um, who's excited to be in the house this morning? Who's excited to be here at Great Oaks today? A couple of, all right. So this morning, if you haven't tell, I'm going to talk to you a little bit this morning about excitement. And to start off, I just want to tell you a bit of my story. Uh, So if you don't know, I was actually raised Catholic, and we were not huge church-going people. We we were more than Easter and Christmas Catholics, but we were not like every, every Sunday Mass Catholics. And growing up as a child, I thought that God, doing the church thing was boring. In fact, I thought it was dull, downright dumb at times. In fact, it was so boring and dull that I volunteered to be an altar boy uh, so that I wouldn't fall asleep during mass because it actually gave me something to do. So for me growing up, what I felt about God was that God was some big cosmic killjoy whose goal for my life was to take away any amount of fun that I could have. And I remember growing up and going to church and the, the entire idea was that you had to learn to sit still. Don't say anything. Don't squirm. Just sit there. Well, actually, if you're growing up Catholic, then you stood up and you knelt and you sat down and all that kind of stuff. But, but in the meantime, no squirming, no moving. And I, I remember when this really came true and I remember this, uh, this one Sunday quite vividly. I must have been about nine or ten years old because it was after my first communion. And that Sunday morning in particular, I was taking communion. And for whatever, that one Sunday, I was actually engaged in what was happening. And I remember going to take communion and I was feeling just a sense of peace and calm and joy. And I was walking back from taking communion, I had a smile on my face. And I remember this quite vividly because as I was, I was walking back to the pew, I sat down to be with my family and my mom looked at me and she said, stop it. You shouldn't be smiling in church. This is a solemn occasion. You should not be smiling. Now, no offense to my mom who's actually sitting in the room this morning. (laughs) We talked about the story. This was how she was raised as well. But maybe growing up you were like me. That you thought that church was just dull. That God is basically a cosmic killjoy. That God's goal for your life is to take away as much fun as possible. Well, I start off with that because we are in week six of a seven-week series here at Great Oaks called At the Core. And in this series, we are learning what is at the heart of Great Oaks. What, What is really at the core of what we do? And over the past few months, there's been a team of people who have been praying and and thinking and dreaming about what the future of Great Oaks will look like. And in the next few, uh, actually in a couple months, we're going to be talking about what we actually are going to get to be doing. And on April 28th, we actually have an event. We're calling it Moving Forward. It's going to be an all-church meal. Uh, And so I just encourage you to, again, April 28th, mark your calendar. There's a slide for that. Mark your calendar for that. If you haven't registered for that yet, go to our website. And in that meeting, in that meal, we're going to be talking about what we're actually going to be doing over the next seven years. But before we get to actually talking about what we're doing, we've got to talk about first who we are. What's at the core of what makes Great Oaks, Great Oaks? And so if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, let me just get you up to speed. In week one, Jason introduced us to this vision culture pyramid. And this is really who we are. And so we started with our purpose, and our purpose is to love God and to love others. 
And that's based on the great commandment. And then above that, we have our beliefs. Ten core beliefs that, that are hills that we'll die on. Again, they're not hammers that we beat people over the head with, but they're hills that we will die on. And up here, we have our mission. Our mission is what we do, no matter what we do. And that's based, uh, based on the Great Commission. And our new mission statement is to connect everyone with Jesus, community, and purpose. Good job. You're doing a great job. So that's our mission. And here we have our values. Our values are the guardrails. Our values help us make sure that we're doing our mission in the right ways. We introduce you to this guy named Jim. This is what Jim experiences, right? This, the values are what Jim feels. The mission is what Jim does no matter what. The beliefs are what Jim believes. But our values are what Jim feels. And so over the past few weeks, Jason and Chase have been introducing us to some of those values. And I'm not going to go back and reiterate all those values. If you're curious, if you haven't been here the whole time, go back and look at our website. There's some great messages about those values. But I have the privilege this morning to talk about our fifth value. And this value is this, and it's our bottom line this morning. If you don't remember anything else today, remember this. We value untamed excitement because fun over time builds relationships. Let me say that again. We value untamed excitement because fun over time builds relationships. So as we talk about untamed excitement, you might be going, okay, what, what does that mean? What is untamed excitement? What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about the opposite of what I grew up with. We're talking about this emotion of true joy. The verse that's connected to this value is Psalm 126. If you're not familiar, the book of Psalms, is, it's a collection of Hebrew poems and, and worship songs. And in verse 2 and verse 3, it says this, We were filled with laughter, and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. When we are talking about untamed excitement, we're talking about an enthusiasm that is present as we worship together. As we grow together in groups, as we serve together in ministry, as we reach out to the world around us, there is a passion and excitement that fills every single part of our being. As we talk about untamed excitement, I think we need to start with Jesus. How would Jesus have handled this idea? How would he have, we see him value untamed excitement? Here's something really interesting. There is no verse in the New Testament that talks about Jesus smiling. There's not a single verse where we hear or see that he is laughing. We have verses about him weeping and crying. We have verses about his anger and turning over tables in a temple. We have verses that show his compassion. We do not have one verse that showed that Jesus ever laughed. But just because we don't have a verse that points to Jesus laughing doesn't mean it ever, doesn't mean it ever happened. See, the reality is we know that Jesus is fully God and yet he's also fully man. And being fully man, that means he shares with us every single emotion that you and I as human beings have gone through. And, not only, not, and just because it doesn't show that he laughed, there's story after story in the pages of the gospel that communicated this idea that Jesus knew how to have a good time. Of course Jesus smiled and he laughed because Jesus was a guy who liked to party. I mean, just think about it. The first miracle that Jesus ever performed was at a party. And maybe you're not familiar with that story, but basically what happens is Jesus is at a wedding. And in this wedding, they run out of wine. 
And so his mom goes to Jesus and said, hey, they ran out of wine. And of course, Jesus being the son of God says, praise God they ran out of wine. Wine's bad. It makes people do stupid stuff. I'm so glad that we ran out of wine. Is that how Jesus responds? No, he takes water, barrels of water, and he turns it into wine. He says, basically, we got to make sure this party doesn't stop. We got a celebration to have. This, this couple got married. Let's have a good time. Not only that, other pages, we, we see that Jesus liked to have a good time. In John chapter, um, sorry, Luke chapter 7, we see Jesus give his defense before religious leaders. And in verse 34 of chapter 7, he says, The Son of Man, Jesus referring to myself, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. See, Jesus was known as someone who hung out with people who ate and drank. His greatest critics accused him of basically partying all the time. So Jesus, of course, healed the sick. He preached the message. He walks on water. But Jesus took a great amount of time to gather with people and to celebrate and to have fun. So much so that they accuse him of eating and drinking too much. So Jesus knew how to have a good time. Jesus experienced untamed excitement. And listen, as a church, we want to be a place that values fun and excitement. And you know, in, in many levels, we as a church already are that kind of place. You know, one of the things about this vision process and this vision team that we had is it wasn't like this team got together and spent time in a prayer room and then all of a sudden came down from a mountain and it was like, thus saith the Lord, here's our new direction. It was a process by which we were praying and discerning and asking God, God, what do we already value? What's already moving and working here at Great Oaks? And one of the things we discerned and discovered in that process, and maybe not discovered, we already knew, is that at Great Oaks, we like to throw a good party. I mean, in the summers, we have this annual thing, a community bash, right? We invite the community, we shoot off fireworks, and the kids are on inflatables, and we eat lots of good food. In the fall, we did our first fall fun fest where we did the same thing. We've been known to, to throw a good party. And this ability to value excitement, to have a good time, to laugh and to smile directly relates to our mission as a church. Because when you and I are enjoying God, when we have fun together, it attracts others and brings glory to God. Our mission to connect everyone with Jesus, community, and purpose. And, and when, we, when we live this out well, it's infectious and it draws, out, uh, draws other people to meet Jesus. If this is our mission, if our mission is to connect everyone with Jesus, community, and purpose, listen, you and I, we cannot be boring because people are not attracted to things that are boring. Case in point, I was reading on social media this morning about the game last night in, in Urbana-Champaign, right? And there was someone saying that the entire town of Metamora was in Urbana-Champaign watching the game. Why? Because the game is exciting. People are going to go. They're traveling an hour and a half to go watch the game because it's fun. Fun attracts people. And so if we're going to accomplish our mission, we have to be the same. But can I be honest for a moment? Even though I think we get this, and I think for, in many ways we live this out already, I wonder at times if, if we might not completely embrace untamed excitement. See, it's one thing to get excited about a bounce house and fireworks and basketball games. It's quite another to be filled with laughter and joy in our relationship with Jesus, so much so that we burst into song. Oh, case in point, I want you to think for a moment about when you were a kid. And it's Christmas time, or it's that birthday time, 
and you're gonna get that one gift that you desperately want. And you're so excited about that gift, right? Like Christmas morning opens or that birthday opens, you open up that gift and you're so excited about that gift. And then days come and weeks come and months come and all of a sudden you get bored with that gift. I, I noticed there's a few kids in the room. Kids, any of you got a Christmas present already that you're bored of, that you're not playing with, that's gonna go in the trash, anybody? Maybe not. See, this often happens, doesn't it? We get this gift, we're so excited about it We're overjoyed with it, and then all of a sudden that excitement fades. And the same thing, I think, happens at times in our relationship with Jesus. We first discover and encounter Jesus. We're so excited about him, and then over time, all of a sudden, that excitement begins to fade. Life gets hard. Challenges arise. Those relationships get broken. You you end up in the church, and you realize the church isn't perfect. And people do icky and messy things, and that, that hurts a little bit. And so what ends up happening, or you're waiting for God to show up and do something, and so you, 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 basically that excitement fades. So what I want to do with our remaining time is how do we get that excitement back? What do we do to actually make sure that we're living out this value of untamed excitement? And to explore this a bit, I want to look at a story found in the Old Testament about a guy named David, who I think captures incredibly well this value of untamed excitement. And if you're not familiar with David, David was the king of Israel. And there's this story found in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 14 through 22. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn out to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Uh, it'll be up on the screens. It's also on, on the Bible app as well. And as we turn there, in this story, let me just give you a background. So in the story, David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. If you're not familiar, the ark is basically a box that held the Ten Commandments. And it was the physical representation of God's presence here on earth. If, if you're still not familiar with the ark, uh, ark narrative, just go watch Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's, that's the Ark of the Covenant, all right? And the ark was so important that one day they're going to they're gonna move that ark into the temple. And, and it's going to be placed in the center of the temple. And it's going to be the physical representation. It's going to be where God dwells on earth. And so in 2 Samuel 6, they're bringing this ark into Jerusalem. And we read in verse 14, And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. Now, just a point of reference here, so point of clarification. David in this scene was not wearing his royal robes as king would, but rather he's wearing a simple priestly garment like a linen cloth. This is important later in the story. Verse 15, So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of the ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, this is his wife, by the way, looked down from her window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. And when he finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. And she said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today shamelessly exposing himself to the servant's girls like any vulgar person might do. 
David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. So from this story, I think there are three points that we can make to, to, to learn how to live out this value of untamed excitement. And the first is this. Untamed excitement starts with remembering what God has done. David in the story is dancing before the Lord. He's not naked, but he's not wearing his royal robes. His wife comes out and basically said, David, you're a fool. What are you doing? You look like an absolute idiot. And I love David's response in verse 21. David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. He's basically telling his wife, do you know what God has done for me? Listen, I was a lowly shepherd boy. It's not in the story, but that's who David was. He was nothing. He was nobody. He was the youngest in his family. He was not going to amount to anything in life. And David is saying to his wife, now God has made me the ruler of Israel. And you know what? This is crazy. And I know that this is not my own doing. This is not something I did in my own effort. But the Lord has done this for me. And so you know what? I'm going to celebrate. His excitement starts with remembering what God has done. If you look at our passage in Psalm 126, the main verse that goes with this value, it starts off in verse 1 when it says, when the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. In this story, in Psalms, basically the Israelite people have been exiled. They've been in a faraway land. God brings them back into Jerusalem, and it's this story that causes them to laugh. It's this story which causes them to praise God. And it's so crazy that they're like, this is, this is making me dream, basically. This is beyond our wildest imaginations. We never would have expected that this would be our story. They're remembering what God has done, and that remembrance causes them to have untamed excitement. What causes David to dance before the Lord in untamed excitement? It's remembering what God has done for him. That God had made him the king, and that was beyond his wildest dreams. So let me ask you the question. Where has God come through for you? What has God done for you that was beyond your wildest dreams? Where has God moved and worked on your behalf? Where did he provide when you didn't know how you were going to pay the bills? Where did he heal that relationship that was challenging and broken? Where did he show up and heal the cancer? Where, where did God empower you to overcome that struggle or addiction? Where has God moved and worked on your behalf? You know, the funny thing is, if you would have came to that eight or nine-year-old boy, 10-year-old boy at that Catholic church, and you looked at him and said, hey, one day you're going to be standing up on stage teaching people about Jesus, I would have laughed at you. If you would have, if you would have come to me and said, you know what, there's going to become a day where you're going to have an opportunity to influence people's lives for eternity, as the kid who was picked on and bullied in school, I would have been like, you're out of your mind. But God did something amazing in my life. What has God done in your life that you need to remember? Let me ask you another question. As you remember what God has done, has it moved you to laughter? Has it moved you to burst into song in worship of God? Does it spur an excitement in the, you, that you just can't keep inside of you? Have you remembered what God has done? Now maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, Paul, I would love to have that story. 
I would love to have that untamed excitement, but I'm, I'm still waiting for God to do something. My life hasn't been all roses. It's been hard. It's been difficult. I'm, I'm still waiting on those health issues to get taken care of. I'm still waiting for God to provide. Our bank account is stretched. I've surely not gone from being a, a lowly shepherd to the king of a country. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to let you know that you are not alone. David, as well, was not always on top of a mountain. In Psalm 13, David writes this poem, and he basically says this, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I want you to notice verse 5. Even in the midst of this hardship that David is going through, he says this, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Listen, you might not be experiencing a breakthrough right now. Life might not be easy, but you too can rejoice. Like David, you can sing with untamed excitement because the Lord is good to you, because he has rescued you. A few moments ago, we celebrated communion together. And in communion, we remembered Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. I think at times, because we've heard the message of Jesus week in and week out, I wonder if we've forgotten how wild this really is. How incredible this really is. I wonder if we've allowed the story of the gospel at times to become mundane. But how can this truth ever be boring? The God of the universe left heaven to live amongst us to identify with us, only to be ridiculed and abandoned. And then he took upon himself our sins, my sins, your sins. And he experienced the rejection of his heavenly father. And then he was put in a grave. And yet three days later, he rose again from the grave. And he did all of this for us because he loved us. He rescued us, that we could be forgiven, that we could experience the excitement that comes in a relationship with God. Listen, if we are not excited about what God has done in providing Jesus, if we're not excited about how far we've come, the forgiveness we get to walk in, if we're not overjoyed in the life that we have in Jesus, I think that we are missing something. The gospel should move us to great excitement for what God has done. The gospel should make us shout and scream like our team just won the state championship. Right? We should be dancing and singing like Dave on stage, circling with a guitar. That's how what life should look like all the time because of what Jesus has done. We have been rescued. We have been made new. We move to untamed excitement because we remember what Jesus has done for us. Second, untamed excitement grows when we learn to let go. I'm going to mess with some of you right now for a little bit. Forgive me, not really. Uh, I'm going to mess with you anyway. I think there's many people in this room, this person included, who care a great deal about looking the part. We care a great deal about making sure we look like we have it all together. We're wearing the right clothes. Our families are acting the right way. We drive the right car. We have the right house. We send our kids to the right school. We do our best to present ourselves in the right light. But if you and I are going to value untamed excitement, 
you and I are going to have to learn to get over ourselves and not really care what others think. We're going to have to really surrender to what God is doing in our midst. Back to our story in David in verse 22. Mikhail confronts David, then he says to her, Yes, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I'm distinguished. In verse 22, David is saying to his wife, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this. David doesn't care if he looks silly or undignified or not put together. He doesn't care if his worship of God is seen as humiliating. David is going to celebrate before the Lord. In this moment, David lets go of the expectations of those around him. He says, yeah, I know I'm the king. I know the king is supposed to act a certain way. I don't care. I know I'm your husband, and as your husband, you have an expectation of how I'm going to behave. I don't care. I'm letting go of others' expectations, and I am going to dance before the Lord. I don't care because I'm so excited about what God is doing in my life. David learns to let go. You know, it reminds me of the first church that I served in as a pastor. I was an associate pastor at this church. It was a 50-year-old Baptist church in central Wisconsin. And in the year 2000, that church was not doing well, and they were thinking about closing their doors. But instead of closing their doors, they hired a, a, a young lead pastor that was excited about God. He had an untamed excitement for God, and it showed in how he taught, how he led, how he encouraged people to engage in worship. And a few years into his ministry, another church in town that was, let's say, a little bit more exuberant in their worship um, had a, some really bad leadership. And so a bunch of people left that church and ended up worshiping at this 50-year-old Baptist church. And the manner in which they worshiped God with their hands raised and they were clapping, a little bit of dancing, was shocking to these long-term Baptist folks. They were used to hymns and hands in pockets and serious and sacrifice. There was an expectation like, this is the proper way to worship. But something interesting happened. God began to move and to work. People started letting go and getting over themselves. And the long-term Baptist people learned from those rather exuberant worshipers that it's okay to connect with God emotionally. They learned it was okay to get a bit undignified before God. It was okay to get excited about what God was doing in their lives. And you know what happened? That small little church that was at the verge of closing its doors began to grow. New people started coming. People with all kinds of hurts and pains and challenges began to come. People met Jesus. They experienced community. They discovered their purpose and they went out on mission. And they began to experience a fullness of joy as they gathered together week in and week out. And that church became, where I, when I think of that church, I think of Psalm 16.1. In your presence, there is a fullness of joy. And that's what happened in that church week in and week out. They would gather together and they would experience the Lord together and there was a fullness of joy. Great Oaks, what would it look like if when we gathered together in this room on Sunday mornings, we let our excitement show? If we learned to let go a bit what we think is actually proper and let ourselves get excited about what God is doing in our midst? What if we actually learn to connect with God, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, in our emotions? What if we let our excitement for God uh, really get ourselves lost in worship? What if we actually let God stir in us an excitement for what he's doing? Listen, I know this is challenging, but the force of gravity is not too high that you can't raise your hands and worship every once in a while. Listen, I know it's hard, 
But some of you need prayer more than you need to look good. And so maybe you need to use our prayer volunteers so that you actually go to God and ask for prayer. Maybe, maybe it would be okay to say an amen every once in a while when somebody's preaching and not just because someone asked for it. Maybe next week, amen, there you go. Maybe next week when we do baptism services and we have six people who get up before you and say, I've made a decision to follow Jesus with my life, you'll show up and you hoop and you holler and you get excited because God is moving and working in our midst, amen? Amen. amen. What if that was true? If that happened here, you know what I, I think would happen? I think it would be infectious. I think it would be compelling. I think it would draw people here who are craving something more to life. Untamed excitement grows when we learn to let go. Finally, untamed excitement connects over shared tables. If you look at the story of David and dancing before the Lord, you also hear about the power of the table. In verse 18, he says, it says this, when he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. In his worship before God, he gives to every single person bread and cake. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a party to me. Now, there was actually significance. Those, those items that he's giving were an opportunity for them to remember. They, they signify remembering God's faithfulness and his fruitfulness, and that's why he gives them to them. But he sends them home with these things so they could gather around tables, they could break bread together and remember what God is doing. You know, I started out this message this morning talking about Jesus and how Jesus was known to throw in a great party. Jesus was great at, at gathering around tables and hanging out with people who had yet to fully understand who he was. But they were attracted to him. And I wonder, what if we took the time to laugh and to smile with people over shared tables like Jesus? What if we learned to break bread, enjoy a meal, play that game, and then share our stories what if in learning to have fun together and celebrate together, we could build more authenticity with each other? And we got the place of sharing how Jesus is moving and working in our lives and those stories build our excitement and our enthusiasm for Jesus. As we get to tell people how excited we are about what God is up to and that becomes infectious and it spurs one another on towards greater faith and fills us with such joy that the love of God overflows and it helps us connect others with Jesus. The verse that this value is based on Psalm 126, verse 2. says this in the second half of verse 2. It says this. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Notice, this group of Israelites were so excited about what God has, doing, has done, the other nations took notice. Others around them saw the joy and they give credit to God. Their excitement over what God has done has now led others to be connected to God as well. As we think about our mission of connecting others to Jesus, community, and purpose, it will be our excitement for God that is infectious. What if here at Great Oaks our excitement for Jesus and our desire to enjoy him moved so powerfully that countless others were attracted to that joy and wanted to be a part of it? Untamed excitement helps us accomplish our mission. And I know this to be true because this is how it worked in my life. I want to finish my story. Like I said, I was raised Catholic. And being raised Catholic, I wouldn't say that I ever had a relationship with Jesus. I went through the religious rituals of the Catholic Church, but somehow I missed the fact that Jesus wanted a personal relationship with me. Eventually, I went to college, and I didn't participate in any church. In my sophomore year, however, I, I followed a young lady 
who I was interested in to church. I wanted to date her. She wanted me to be with Jesus. So she invited me to a brand new church that was reaching college students at the University of Minnesota. Her roommate one Sunday was playing in the band there, and so she invited me to come to church, and like a little puppy dog, I followed her. She had no interest in dating me, so we never got together, but through her, I fell in love with Jesus. You see, what I experienced that first Sunday was powerful. I walked in, and there was a full rock band in front of church, just like we do on Sunday morning, and they were playing music that I could relate to. But that's not what made me come back week after week. The first thing I noticed was that the people in the room were excited to be there. They were not just singing, but they had their hands raised in worship. They weren't just standing there, uh, but they were clapping along. And the biggest thing I noticed is that all of them were smiling. There was a joy that was so present in the people there. They truly were excited to be at church. I was never excited to go to church. Church was always more of a duty, an obligation, something that you should do. They were filled with joy, and I wanted to experience that joy as well. So I went back week after week after week after week. But as I was journeying in that church, I also had a ton of questions. Had a ton of questions about Jesus, how this all works. And so the lead pastor and I would gather together almost weekly at coffee shops and we would sit together over shared tables and we would drink coffee and we would laugh and we would share stories. And he answered my questions. And after several months, on one Sunday, I got to experience the same excitement and joy that those people did. When I realized that the joy I was missing in my life came out of a relationship with Jesus. And so on that Sunday, April 3rd of 1997, I went forward and he prayed over me and I received Jesus for the first time in my life. And I began a personal relationship with him and I started to learn what that excitement was about. I learned to let go and to surrender. I, I learned how to, to worship and not care so much of what people thought. And I, and I began to witness people enjoy and I got to experience that more and more and it all began because people were excited to be with God. We value untamed excitement because fun over time builds relationships. And through relationships, we connect everyone with Jesus. But listen, if, if we're going to be that place that connects everyone with Jesus in a compelling way, the transformation has to start here, in us. It only starts when we get excited about what God is doing. And so as we wrap up this morning, I'm going to ask you to respond today to what God is doing. Will you allow yourself to experience untamed excitement this morning and this week and this month and this year for years to come? As we close in worship, will you take this moment to remember what the Lord has done for you? Will you take that and learn to let go and just praise the Lord and not care what other people think and just get lost with him? And then out of there, will you take that excitement and go and invite your friends and your family and your coworkers and sit around shared tables like Jesus with untamed excitement and talk about what God is doing in our lives. And when we do that, then we connect everyone with Jesus, community, and purpose because fun over time builds relationships. That's our call. That's what we value. Let's go make it happen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for this morning. And God, we thank you so much for what you've done for us. We know, Lord, that untamed excitement does, does not begin 
with just us, our willingness to be excited. It remembers with us remembering you, God, and what you have done and how you've moved and how you've worked on our behalf. And, and yes, there are tangible things that you have done like providing for us and forgiving us and, and all these other things, but God, we want to remember that the greatest gift you ever gave us was your son, Jesus. God, I know in my own life, there's times where the message of the gospel has become mundane, where I've lost sight of how powerful and amazing and miraculous that story is. And so, God, I pray that you would help me to remember that always and forever and that, God, you would, through that, lead me to excitement. And, God, I pray that for all of us in this room, God, that you would never let the gospel be mundane, that it would always be exciting to us. God, I also pray, Lord, that you would help us just, just to let go and not care so much what others think, but that we would just be lost before you, that we would just be pleasing to an audience of one, praising your name, giving glory to your name, not caring what's happening around us, but just giving thanks for everything that you've done. God, don't let us worry about being foolish. We just want to be with you. And then finally, God, I pray that from here, Lord, that we would have the courage to be able to gather around round tables and, and shared tables and break bread and have fun and laugh and enjoy. And through that, God, that you would use us to connect everyone with Jesus' community and purpose. Because, God, we know that fun over time builds relationships. And so, God, help us to do that. God, we are grateful for all that you're doing in our midst. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.